Welcome to another episode of the Bear Down Podcast, joined by cross-country head coach and long-distance running icon, Bernard Lagat. Bernard, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. Uh, it's a pleasure being here and uh, look forward to chatting with you. Absolutely. So nice. there's, a, there's a lot I want to get into because you've done so much and you have such a great story of how you became uh, a running icon and obviously a coach now at the University of Arizona. But uh, let's start at the beginning. Growing up, western part of Kenya, uh, what was that like for your childhood growing up uh, in a country known for long distance running? Yes, uh, thank you. Um, I grew up from a really a humble background. Uh, my parents were farmers, and then, but my dad kind of worked a little bit in the government part of it, like in the agricultural department, but he was not really a skilled person. He was, it wasn't like something that he went to school for. He learned the trade when just working in the, uh, in the, in the colonial era. And so he basically picked up the skill and he actually worked part-time for it. But most of what he was doing was a farmer. So I grew up in a family that it was nothing but farming. And uh, so we grew up doing that, just like being in the farm and um, just a family of a big family. I come from a family of 10 kids, um, the middle of them. And so it was uh, there was a lot to learn, not just only in running later on that came later, but also in life in a big family. So running came along later. At what age did you start really getting into running? It was at the age of between 10. They, I can't really pinpoint exactly, but I think it was at the age of 10 to 12. And that is when I just realized, oh, wait, people can run. And I guess my sister sensed that I was, I had that natural talent, that natural tweak. Whenever they sent me to do something, I ran faster. And I didn't even know that is what even my mom and dad saw. Every single time they want to choose somebody, go buy sugar or go buy salt in a nearby shopping center. I would just be just the run. one saying, hey, keep cheer, cheer, go and run. You know, that's my middle name. <laughs> hey, keep cheer, cheer, come and run. I mean, come and get salt, come and go get sugar. And they used to give it to me. I just run. I would not even worry about it. And so that's how it started. So you got into running by essentially being the family deliverer of, exactly. of goods and groceries. <laughs> exactly. And also going to school was, remember, this is like local village, no shoes, nothing. But the yeah. school is kind of far away. Mine was, I would say, close to a mile. And we used to just run there and back. So you just go in the morning, come back for lunch, and then go back in the <laughs> afternoon as well. So I got to learn actually running most of the time. And I think the fun part of it is it was not just only my family, but my neighbor used to smoke cigarettes. And they used to say, okay, he was not even sending his own kids to go buy cigarettes because they would take a long time. They would just come to my house like, hey, could you go and buy me a cigarette? <laughs> I'm like, why are you leaving your kids? But you're going to send me. But I guess he had also seen that I was a little quicker than his kids. Was there any family pressure or family members or brothers and sisters who joined you in that running at that age? Was it just you or did you have brothers and sisters who were also making these runs as it were? Oh, I had family friend. I mean, family uh, brothers and sisters that were into running. Even at that point, at 10 years old or maybe 12, I knew that this is something that you can actually benefit from running it is fun thing and i think for me i looked at it as kind of a fun thing to do but to see my sister who was into it she was competing at, when she was in primary school and even for me when i was still young really don't really know much about it but you only see and hear the cool things she tells me i've already flown on the airplane i'm like but you can run make life out of this that actually you can actually <laughs> fly on the airplane you kidding me and so those are the simple motive uh, things that motiv uh, motivated me uh, to want to be a runner as well, like my sister. Do you see any parallels, Bernard, between how you got into running and the overall, I would say, um, culture of long distance running of Kenya 
and Kenyans having that connection to American long distance running? I think uh, really they, they believe that if you want to make it in life or if you want to make it as a young person that is running, you can also always make it when you just go into this American system of school they call NCAA. It doesn't mean a lot to high schooler. It doesn't mean a lot to many, many of them because it is like what everybody talks about. And it becomes this obsession that everyone wants to do it. So for me, I wasn't special because everybody wants the same thing. I would tell you, the boys that we were in the same class, everybody wanted to go to America to go to this NCAA. I didn't even know what the NCAA started for. <laughs> but my sister, on the other hand, was telling me, you could also go to America to go run the same tune again, NCAAs. And so what how it started for me is being seeing my sister being the best. And then when I was in high school, just all these boys wanted to go to America. We were at some point even at lunch break and we were talking about how we are going to be so good running the same all of us as if America was a small place, you know, in our minds and wanting to be in that NCAA running for college. It was fun. And I think a few of us actually followed that dream and we were able to get it because of the people that actually enabled that to happen for us. And you were able to follow that dream to Washington State University. We'll, we'll chalk it up to a Pac-12 a Pac right. Conference of Champions. Um, and you win a trio of national championships in college. And then you go on to world championships and Olympic career, 2000, 2004. How did that progression come to be for you from getting to college, being successful in college, national championship, and just continue on at the highest international level of competition? That is an excellent question because for me, is that is it started with an opportunity that I was given. Uh, that opportunity that somebody just realized that this kid is fast enough. And that was my coach in Kenya that said, you could remember what we've been talking about, you wanting to go to America? Because I, I kept saying the same thing even when I was in Kenya after high school. And he told me, you can do it. You are fast. So it came about because of that opportunity uh, that I was able to come to the United States. I, again, I was like one of those guys that could just get into the system and don't worry about where you will ever go, where you will end up uh, going for this college. But any opportunity that comes in, you welcome it. And even with the coach that I had in Kenya, he was the one that was telling me about schools, different schools, Washington State. Oh, in Washington State, they had Henry Rono. They had all these guys that were <laughs> breaking world records and winning NCAA. You could even join there. Then it really ended up happening that James Lee gave me that opportunity and Rick Sloan at Washington State. And I went there in 96. And it was one of those things that you get somebody that looks at you and be like, you have the talent and I'm going to coach you to be the best you can be in college. Like what you said, end up getting um, winning NCs and all that stuff. And he was telling me, but I also want you to be the best you can be in the world by making it to the Olympics and the rest, you know, you walk out and the rest will come. And that was the, the line that I got right away when I went to Washington State. James Lee believed in me. He said, I'm going to coach you to be the best you can be in the world. And so I took that in and it meant something to me. And I did not look back, just did the work. Now, your career running post-college is essentially the who's who of awards, Olympics, world championships, when you look back to, I would say, maybe a decade of that high-level success you had running after right. college, when you look back at it now, but what do you point to, what do you reflect on as like the moment that stood out among a, a decade of just completely unbelievable moments in your career? You know, honestly, it is when I made 
my first Olympics because it's a dream of everybody. It's a dream of any kid. Even the athletes that I coach right now, it's their dream to once even like get into that Olympic qualify for it. That's why I coach them to actually maybe get there. But for me, when it happened in 2000, that I actually went to Kenya trials and I was number three in the 1500, I qualified. I was looking at Coach Lee and I was like, seems like you had a dream for me yourself because you had told me, I want you to coach you to be the best in college and I want to coach you to be in the Olympics in 2000. So the dream just, I mean, I worked hard though. And um, there was no days that I was out there partying. It was like, I dialed in. I believe in the system that is gonna help me. So it's one of those things that as a young person, you either know it from the beginning or the process will teach you. But for me, it was two things. It was like, I knew the process and I knew also what I wanted. So I worked so hard in it. And so I believe that is, uh, that's what made me uh, get to where I was. So that, that journey takes you, you know, 2000 Olympics, 2004 Olympics, you're, you medal both. 2007, you become the first athlete to become the world champion of the 1500 meter, the 5000 meter. Uh, you break every record there is, you have these titles. And yet there's a moment in your career where you say to yourself, maybe I want to get into coaching. Now, in, in previous interviews, Bernard, you said it wasn't on your radar at all. <laughs> How did it get on your radar? And did you, did you reach a point where you thought, you know what, I, I can give back to people who are younger than me now in the same way that, you know, my coach in Kenya and everybody else did that yes. for me? So it was, uh, you know, it didn't occur to me that way. Even like, to me, I was like, okay, the way to give back, I guess, is to basically be a motivational speaker. Uh, and actually, that's something that I do uh, with the Nike being sp sponsoring me for a long time and even becoming their ambassador. Um, so that's what I thought giving back means. Just talk about my successes, talk about what I've done to get here and what you can do actually to even get better than what I've been. And then the coaching part came in when, you know, I was actually Coach Harvey reached out to me and he told me to step into uh, the coaching to help the team while they are looking for a prominent coach. And so I told them, because I know the team, I know the coach that was coaching here was a man of integrity. I said, I'm going to fill in, no problem. But don't count on me though, <laughs> to stay. <laughs> I was really open to Coach Harvey and I said, John, you know, coaching, I think you have to have a certain level of patience because I see Coach Lee was so patient even with me and with the athletes that he coached at Washington State and here. And I thought, no, that's not me. But as I coached, after I accepted Coach Harvey's um, request and I actually started coaching athletes, then we have Keila Barger, who became a great athlete after, after me coaching for a little bit. And I'm like, oh, wait, that is the success. And that is this, that feeling that I didn't know I would ever have when I see my athlete succeeding from basically what I put on the paper and then make sure that she or he um, executes the same way you want. Wait. That is exactly the success that a coach actually sees, and that's the feeling. And then I realized, okay, I think I can be a good coach. I think I can learn first and then be a good coach. And th those first athletes that I coached last year, 2020, even with COVID, made me learn how to coach patience and progress. I knew the progress because you can start up. You have to start from the bottom. I know that. But how are they going to take my program? Because I'm different. I am more intense but I also listen to the body and I also want to challenge people. And so it was a tough one because I was able to go in there, challenge them once in a while. But at the same time, when they look at it, it was a program that worked for them. So I ended up learning, I mean, loving how to train, uh, I mean, coaching athletes and becoming um, somebody that really was immersed in the 
good things that happens after it. And also, there's always things that does not go well. And so you have to be there with the athletes. I learned that as well. You got to be with them because if Coach Lee or even if my, my, my family was not there for me, could have been tough one. So I have to understand that as an athlete, there's some days that you need somebody the most. And I want to be that person. And athletes have trusted me and they, they love training with me. And I love coaching them as well. You, you touched on it a little bit as far as you know, having a plan, trying to motivate runners, having to execute the plan. How hard is that coming from a former runner yourself where it was, hey, this is my plan, I'm just going to go do it, to now <laughs> I need to inspire people to do and then follow this plan. How hard was that to make that change of just doing it myself to now I need to have, show people how to do it? Yeah, it was, first of all, is the realization that I was successful and the first thing that I'm going to, the, the mistake that I will ever want to do is to kind of make these athletes do what I did or to ex- assume soon you're going to be here where I reached. No, no, no. They a step. And so once I realized it, I need to coach them to the level they are, and that is once I get to the level that they are, start them from that level, they will always improve and they will get better. The same way when I joined college, I didn't even start up. They started also those steps, which slowly pricely would get you injury free but you are getting good training and so that was that's something that i realized from the beginning don't look at them and be like oh they can be like me right away no and also sometimes when you're successful every little thing they do you feel like why are you doing that you should not do that because you're not going to be at this level but some of them may not even think that far and i think it's unfair to kind of think of them like you're going to get too far already into successful making money being making all these appearance those sometimes if you don't guard that and have a room for that and put it on the side, and then you're just coming in here knowing where you are, who you are coaching, and the language and how you write that program. That is what helps me. Um, and I think the athletes look at that as well. That's why they look at me like, wait, you are successful at coach, but you're not even coaching this. You know, you, you don't have that mentality. But I do, but I just like park it and then bring a different one. But then when I, if I was coaching professionals, I bring that. I don't pack that, I, you know, and, and just like basically go uh, according to what the success is and the plan that uh, you work on. So the next step in that plan, later this week, Pac-12 Championships in yes. Salt Lake City, uh, the men and the women's side. I know I know you're been, you guys have been training for this, kind of some, some expectations or maybe something you want to see from the fans or see for the fans yes. uh, from your team. At Pac-12 Championships. Um, I want them to uh, pay attention to our team. Uh, in particular, I know for the guys, we are struggling a little bit with, with a few that are our top athletes, but they are injured. Uh, that is given, especially with the mileage that we put ourselves in, day in, I mean, week in and week out. But where the fans actually have to dial in is our, our women's team. Uh, they are incredible. They train together. They are a unit and they are working together every single time in workouts. You see them actually cheering for each other while they're doing their workouts. They're tired, but they still have to say, let's go, Grace, let's go, Mary. All those kind of stuff is what I know they're going to bring it. I've tested them in training. I've actually had a race simulation workouts, uh, which we did on Tuesday, on Wednesday, and they all like unbelievably did amazing job. So the hill workouts that we had on Friday, Saturday long run, they are at the spot where I feel confident as a coach taking them, leading them into Pac-12s. And I believe we are going to see the best uh, the best that they can do on that day. And I'm excited. Well, there you have it. 
from the journey from Kenya into coaching, a career that maybe you thought wasn't ever going to happen, <laughs> to now having the team dialed up for the Pac-12 Championships in Salt Lake City Friday morning, 9 a.m. The first run goes off. Pac-12 Network's giving coverage as well as ArizonaWildcast.com. Check it out. Go Cats. Bear down. Good luck in Salt Lake City, Coach. Thank you very much. Bear down. Thank you.